Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Okay, enough fun. Now we get to the not fun part, right? No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, it, it is such a blessing. I, I can't tell you uh, what a blessing it is to be able to get together. We we plan. If there's one lesson I learned, believe me, you never stop learning. But if there's one powerful lesson that I've learned through in this through this whole experience is this: you can't put God in a box. And expect lives to be changed. And when I say that, it's we, we get used to programs, we get used to agendas, we get used to certain things happening that meet our preferences. And, and God's not saying throw everything out. God's just been saying, I want you to get focused on me. Those programs aren't the answer. He's the answer. Um, great ideas aren't the answer. Okay, If your faith was was in doji last night. Okay. It, it, you know, you might make a little bit of coin, but the reality is um, that, you know, that's going to hit and spike, and they call it volatile for a reason. But his word remains forever. He never changes. Amen? So I'm going to look at this word this morning because I, I, that's what I want to do. You know, if, if we have... Um, time over the next few weeks. I know we're, we're, we're very excited because over the next few weeks, I know Dr. Bucci's going to be sharing, Nick. Uh, there's just a lot of exciting word that's going to be coming forth. But this morning, I'm going to just finish this chapter 9. But in order to finish it well, I'm going to start it again, if you will. I, want, I really want this morning to be about what it means for us to share our story what it means for us to share our story. And most of us were raised possibly in a church that the way you shared your story was you just invited someone to church. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you need to understand that what we're really doing is inviting them to a life, not just a service. We're inviting them to a relationship that Jesus Christ has given us. So it's not just about attending something, it's becoming. Paul tells us that we should give ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable surface, and to be transformed. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So it's an ongoing process, amen? Whenever I say anything that just remotely makes sense, an amen is okay. So when we look at John this morning, John chapter 9, this is a powerful passage, this is a narrative, Jesus has been confronted uh, throughout most of the first part of John. Chapter 9 is sort of a transition. And I was just talking to the disciples, and we talked about this a lot last week. But I'm just going to start here because the, the, first, the first thing that will happen for you to understand about sharing your story is you have to understand that you have a story. You have a story. But here's how you get a story. Does anybody ever... 
uh, ever wonder, man, I need a story. I wish I had a good testimony. I wish I had a good story. Um, here's how you get a good story. You ready? Just be obedient. Be obedient. A quick story. Uh, years ago, when Diane and I were still at, uh, in college, years ago, a friend of mine, um, we traveled a lot together. We were going through the mountains of North Carolina, going to a church, and we were going to be ministering that week. And as we were driving, I was telling him about, you know, my family and how, you know, I was raised in a pastor's home. And he, he was actually an orphan. He was raised in our denomination's orphanage at that time. So he didn't have a lot of family history except for that orphanage. And as we were driving through these mountains, which at that time there were no such thing, things as, as guardrails on these mountains, there was just wisdom and drive slow. So as we were going around the bends of these mountains, he said, man, I just wish I had a good testimony. I just need a good, that, that'll just grab people's attention. And about that time I looked over, because I was driving, and I was driving a little, just what I would consider a little bit too fast. And we went around this curve, the tires went off the side of the road, went in the gravel, I overcompensated, and in doing so, we literally did two 360s in a two-lane road on a side of a mountain. And as the car came to a stop, I couldn't get out my door because it was straight down. And we both just sat there. And I said, you've got your story. <laughs> See, all you have to do, and well, Pastor, how does the obedience kick into that? We were going to tell somebody about Jesus. We were on our way. Now, here's, here's where this story jumps in and helps us understand this. Because even if you don't think you have a story, you've got a story. You've got a story. Listen, and I'm going to read through this very quickly. John chapter 9, we're just going to start at verse 1 again. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And we talked about that last week. Jesus answered, it was not that this man has sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Can I just remind you that he desires that his works be displayed in you? God wants to work in your life. He's still very much active, and he wants to do works in your life. He said, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, go. Now, there's, there's a point here where you and I have to understand something. When Jesus touches your life, he doesn't say sit down. When Jesus touches your life, it doesn't matter if he did say sit down. What should you do? Obey. If he does say go, what does that mean? Go. These aren't trick questions. It's obedience that he's looking for. It's obedience that he wants. And, and it's not that he's going to call you into darkness. He tells him where to go. Go to the pool of Siloam which means sent, and he says, go wash. 
So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, this may seem like a tremendous oversimplification this morning, but here is a simple way to get a story. Be obedient. Just obey him. Just watch what happens when you obey him. Watch what happens when the Holy Spirit, through his word, or you're praying and God just tells you, you know what, call that person. Just tell them. Just call them and encourage them. Call them and let them know you're thinking about them. Call them and ask forgiveness for what you did last week. It doesn't really matter. Just simply obedience. Because you never know what God has on the other side of that obedience. This blind man's eyes were open. Now, now when he goes, he comes back seeing. And, and I, just, I need you to understand, there's a couple of things that, that we're going to talk about this morning. Because when you start sharing your story, and it's challenging because we've all tried maybe to share our story, and when we get a negative response, we've decided it's not God's will for us to share our story. I'll just Facebook an invitation to church for somebody. That's my story. Um, I'll just try to send out a lot of invites. I, I appreciate that. Please, and I, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying there's power in your story and in your conversation that changed people's lives. So what, what do we need to expect when we share our story? Let's look at this for a moment. You need to share your story in spite of doubt. Look at verses 8 through 12. The neighbors and those who had seen him before, seen him believe as a beggar, were saying, <clears throat> is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said it is he. Others said, no, but he looks a little bit like him. And they, he kept saying, I am the man. Now, we, again, uh, we touched on this last week, but can you imagine that conversation? Can you imagine that happening in the temple? Some were saying, that, that looks like the blind guy. No, that's not him. It just looks a little bit like him. It's me. It really is me. I am the guy you're talking about. And, and so they get a little bit upset with him, and they said, hey, how then are your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and received my sight. Then they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. Now here's, here's the simple, the very simple fact of this passage. Some are going to doubt your story. Some are going to see that something's changed in your life and question it. You're going to try to have a testimony and somebody's going to challenge it. Yeah, but we know how you are, really are. We know when, what you're like when no one's looking. See, the, the thing about this guy is he had been blind from birth. He had never even seen the people who were criticizing him. He had never even seen the people who were, who were saying no, who were doubting what had happened. Can I just encourage you, and maybe the, the title of this message should not be this morning, when, when our story intersects with the lives of people, maybe it should just be boldness. There, there just needs to be something in your spirit that says, hey, I know people are going to doubt. I know people are going to wonder. I know people are going to just think I'm crazy. And if you don't think people already think you're crazy, you've already lost your mind. Listen, plenty of people question everything we do anyway. It may as well be for a good reason. 
and, and people will doubt you. They'll doubt your circumstances. They'll doubt God. But see, here's what I love about this guy. He says, I am the man. I am the person that you're talking about. My eyes have been opened. Why? Because I'm the one that was blind from birth. I'm the one that couldn't see anything, and now I can. There's, there's something about having a story that nobody can argue with. There's something about knowing something because you experienced it. Remember that song written many, many years ago, old gospel song, I was there when it happened, so I guess I ought to know. I was there when Jesus saved me. I was there when he forgave me. You know, when you start understanding that, that you're the one, it's not hard to share that testimony. It's not hard to say, I am the one. <clears throat> years ago, I was a freshman in high school. Again, years ago. <clears throat> we actually were just, this is a gym class. And it was the first and only time that I have physically been almost knocked out by a female. We were playing flag football, as simple as flag football. I reached out and grabbed the flag from this girl that was running down the sideline. And as soon as I reached out, I sort of tripped, and she stopped, and my head went right into her hip. And I just sort of laid there for a minute, and then I just heard the bell ring that class was over. And I saw everyone running into the school, and I was like, I think that's where I'm supposed to go, but I'm not sure if I'm going to get there. So I went into the, to the gym and the locker room, and I mean, I'm already, I'm 30, I'm 30 minutes late for the next class anyway. I'm sitting on the bench, and the coach walks up to me, and he says, McLeod, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I, I think I'm, I'm hurt. I'm not sure. Get up. You're not hurt. Get out of here. No, coach. I know if I'm hurt or not. If you'll point me to my locker, I'll get dressed. <laughs> so he finally helped me find my locker. I got dressed and went home. And I realized I had my first concussion. That's, I was really proud of that, but it's hard telling that story when a girl gives you a concussion. But anyway, here's, here's my point. The coach can sit there and argue with me all day long. I know who was hurting. I, you didn't have to, no, you're not hurt. Get up. Excuse me. I wish I had enough sense at that time to say that. But it's, it's different. When you experience something, there's a boldness. Whether you're half out of your wits or not, there's a boldness. You don't have to be the most intelligent person in the room. You don't have to be the most educated person. You don't have to go to seminary or cemetery. When you know, you know. When you know that Jesus Christ saves, it's not a hard to, to tell your story. You don't have to have all the theology down. It's great to have theology, but as we discussed last week, we spend more time talking about theology than we do winning people to Christ. We spend more time arguing about different scriptures than we do living them out. And, and what this guy is saying, well, you can, you, know, you can argue about that all day. What I do know is I'm the guy. What I do know is I can see. Does that make sense? So there's going to be doubters, but, but the third thing I want us to look at very quickly, <coughs> there's going to be some hard hearts. There's going to be some doubters, and I, I skipped the page, sorry. There's going to be some doubters, but then there's going to be some religion that gets in there. Now what is religion? 
when their answer didn't suffice the guys who approached him, then they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how, has received, how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes. You see how simple your story is? He put mud on my eyes, and I washed and I see. It didn't even get shorter. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Now, here's, <clears throat> here's what I want you to see about religion. We're, we're not in this for religion. Religion is a set of standards and beliefs that any, there's religions all over the planet. There's types of religion, there's types of belief systems everywhere that will argue right and wrong. Jesus had been in the face of the Jewish religious leaders proclaiming that he was Christ, trying to convince them that, and the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, he came unto his own and his own received him not. So they come and, and they're not really, you know, it's, it's sort of ironic here. They seem to care less about that his eyes are open. You would think that in, in a Christian setting or in a church setting or in a religious setting that if someone came in who had been blind their entire life and they came in, I can see. Yeah, but how? What did he do? See, they, they weren't even talking about, you know, at least there was, should have been a praise God. Um, let, let's, this is awesome. The only thing they were concerned about is Jesus worked on the Sabbath. He broke a rule. Jesus, see, just to, just to spit in the, in the mud or spit in the dirt and make mud meant he was working. And then he smeared it on the man's face, smeared it on his eyes. That meant he worked. Now, according to sabbatical law, he could have just maybe looked at him and said hi, but to do anything about it meant work. Um, should we follow after the Sabbath rest? Sure. But are you, are you doing anything to help people, period? Jesus spent most of his time breaking the law of the Sabbath because he was trying to get the point across that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the whole purpose of the Sabbath. And they were wanting to just catch Jesus, and they asked this man, what did he do? Another thing about religion is they never have mentioned Jesus' name one time in this passage. He's just, what did he do? This fellow, this sinner. I tell you, here's what happens in religion. I'm talking to us, okay? Here's what happens if we're not careful. We get divided on the wrong stuff. We get divided on the wrong stuff. I'm not going to stay here a long time. I know it's Mother's Day. I know some of you have plans, and they don't include me. There's a song in there somewhere. <laughs> um, there's, um, there's a lot of schedules I know that you're trying to meet today, that, and, and I want to honor that. But listen, when, when you understand that sometimes we are so divided on Sunday morning, and we wonder why we can't get things together throughout the week to make impact in the culture. 
I'm never surprised at what the world does. What blows my mind is what the church doesn't. We shouldn't be surprised that the world thinks like it does. It's lost. It's blind. What I am concerned about is that if we don't operate in unity, there's no impact to be made. So I wonder what that looks like. Because even this man, when he found himself, what did he do? This man from God, he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you know, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said he is a prophet. And that was huge because they're calling him a sinner, and this man calls him a prophet. Okay, this is where I can get off on a tangent if I'm not careful. Um, when you're willing to make a statement in your life about who Jesus Christ really is, expect doubt. Expect religion to rise up, and where, however it comes, division to rise up. When I, again, I've got old stories today, right? When I was a very young man, my dad pastored in Clark, uh, New Jersey, and there was another church that he also pastored while it was, uh, pastor was in transition, and my dad would go up on Sunday afternoons to a little town called Booton, New Jersey. And in this little college town, there was a lot of college students, and I didn't realize this at that time, but in the Catholic faith, if, if one of those children would come over and, and become a part of that church, it was like you were kicked out of the family. I had never even experienced this before, but we, we moved over to Booton to, to minister to these people, and there were probably 75, 80 college students in this church and, and I found out about 10 of them all rented a house together. And I thought, that's pretty cool. You know, they got their own little dorm, whatever. And it was all because their parents all disowned them. And I thought, man, well, they must be on drugs or something. I don't know. No, they gave their life to Jesus. They gave their life to Jesus. And their parents said, it's Jesus or us. Now, that's tough, guys. And these young people decided to follow after Jesus. Why? Because when you share your story, it's probably going to cause some division with people. Because there's something about religion and something about people that as long as you believe what they want you to believe, you fit in. But if you don't believe what they believe, you don't. You know, we used to live in a world <clears throat> where everybody could have a say. But have you noticed that more and more as we travel, and, and I'm going to the next point, in spite of fear, we share our word, in spite of fear, we share our story, in spite of fear. Why? Because we, we used to live in a counterculture. It meant that whatever you believe, it may counter other beliefs in the culture, but you were there. And Christianity might even be considered a dominant culture 50 years ago, 60 years ago. But other influences have risen up, and now we more live in a cancel culture. What does cancel culture mean? That means if you believe what I want you to believe, you're fine. But if you don't believe what I want you to believe, you're canceled. Hello, I'm sorry, did I? Is this working? 
If you believe what I want you to believe, <clears throat> you're canceled. And see, well, pastor, the church is the same way. No, absolutely not. Here's what the church should be, that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you walk in this door, we'll love you, we'll hug you, we'll pray with you. It's, it's not even about we, we love you but not the sin. No, because it's not even sin. It's, it's you that we love. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But when, we, when you live in a culture that you might share your story, and what they might want to do is close your business. When you share your story, what they might want to do is, is shut your voice down. If you share your story, now you'll, you'll understand that when I'm talking about sharing your story, I'm not even talking about you condemning anyone. This isn't about going out and protesting against the lifestyle. This isn't about going out and holding a poster in your hand against somebody. This is simply us standing up for somebody. Jesus Christ, it's just it's speaking Jesus Christ into people's lives. It's loving people who are unlovable. It's serving when you don't feel like serving. It's being there when being there is difficult. And this man finds himself in a situation where all he's saying is, I can see for crying out loud. How did he do it? He didn't do it the right way. If he didn't do it the right way, he's a sinner. Who do you think he is? Because all they want him to do is to tell him, tell them that they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Because they even bring his parents in. I'm not going to read that whole passage. You, you can read it. I want you to read chapter 9. But they bring his parents in because they know that if you commit yourself to Jesus Christ, they can kick you out of the temple. Now, why is this not important for the blind guy right now? Because he was never a part of the temple. Being blind, he really couldn't be a part of community. So, you know, when you've never been a part of the problem, you could care less about getting kicked out of the problem. But his parents come, God bless his parents, and they say, do you know him, and how did this happen? And the parents say, well, yes, we know him. He's our son. He's always been a little, you know, blind. Since birth, he was blind. But how he sees... Listen, here, here's what he says. Here's what they say. You want to know how he sees? Ask him. Ask him. He's a grown man. Let him speak for himself because they knew, and the Bible tells us, that they could get kicked out if they say it was Jesus. Now, what am I telling you, and I'm trying to keep this as concise as possible this morning. You're living in a culture, guys, when you stand up for the word and you stand up and proclaim Christ in your life, when you tell your story, get ready for people to counter it, but also get ready for people to try to cancel it. And don't expect everybody to stand with you. Don't expect the people that you think will stand with you to be there. Don't be surprised when like, hey, he's on his own. You know, I, we didn't know he thought that way, you know. He's just not, you know. We, did, we didn't realize he was there. And, and see, the, it's just because the culture says things are right. That doesn't mean it's true, guys. One of the things you have to decide, even when we're talking about a story, is do you believe this? Do you believe the word of God? Am I making sense? 
through sharing your story. There are some good things about sharing your story, by the way. I'll get to those in a minute. I just want you to know what you can really expect in this culture. You can expect people to doubt you. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be easy if every time you shared your story, 50 people would say, I want to follow Jesus. Now, because when you get people to understand what Jesus has done for them, and their eyes are opened, there are people, okay, I want to follow Jesus. And see, we'll, we'll do that as long as we can see that kind of response. It's when people laugh at us. It's when people do scorn. It's when people do make fun. It's when friends say, you know, I, don't, well, I can't hang out this week. I'm busy. I remember the first time my, my wife and I had just started dating. And before we started dating, there were some real hoodlums that I ran around with. And, um, and we would go out and do things that even in high school um, would get you in a lot of trouble. We were too young to be doing those things. I'm trying to be very careful we're streaming. But after Diane and I met, I had to tell these friends, because it was either Diane or them. She won. And I had to tell them, because they would call me, hey, John, it's Thursday. And see, Thursday in Ocean City was nickel beer night. Okay? So you could be flat broke and drunk at the same time. A nickel would get you a brew. So we would go through our parents' cars and ashtrays and get all the quarters and nickels we could get and drive to Ocean City. And I had to, I had to sit down with those friends and go, guys, I, I can't do that anymore. Oh, come on, man. What are you talking about? I'm just, I'm trying not to do that anymore. What? 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 I'm, I'm dating. Oh, my Lord. All right. Okay. Well, it's, he's involved, too. Um, so the Lord's involved and dying. I'm trying to do the right thing. What did I have to do? To, to have a story at that point in my life, I had to say no to them. See, it's not just about people might say no to you. You need to be able to say, no, I am the guy. My eyes are open. Because the Bible doesn't say this, and I might be, this might be a silly analogy, but he could have easily said to avoid all the problems, no, you know, I don't think I see that well. No, you guys are right. I, I'm probably still blind. I'm just losing my mind. You, you're right. It, it, he's not a, you, you're right. I'm still blind. And then we said this last week. I wonder how many of us Jesus has touched and we're still walking around like we're blind. Instead of understanding our eyes have been opened, we have a story. God has a plan for your life, but we still haven't gone to the pool. We still haven't been willing to be obedient. And I'm not strong-arming you to go tell somebody about Jesus today, but let me ask you a really awakening question. When's the last time you've told somebody about Jesus? When's the last time you've told somebody your story? When's the last time, and listen, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself too, because it's easy for me to stand up here on Sundays and talk and even stream and feel like I'm doing it. I'm not doing it. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about preparing for the ministry and communicating for the pulpit and letting that be your story. I'm talking about during the week when I meet with people, I've got to be willing to say, how are you doing? Can I tell you my story? One-on-one. -on -one. 
conversations with people who have lost loved ones, and you're telling a story, because they may never be in this building, but they're still hurting right there. Are you willing to say, hey, can I, can I just talk to you for a minute? Well, pastor, I just don't, you know, I could get fired. Okay, I, I want you to use wisdom. Please understand. I'm not talking to walk out of here and go to Walmart today and start a riot. But I, I just wonder what it would look like if you had your friend this week and over lunch or coffee, you were willing to say, hey, I know what you've been going through. I know COVID's been tough or whatever, but here's how I've made it through. And even if it was honest enough to say, man, I've struggled, but that's why I still lean on him. See, you have a story. Don't let religion, don't let fear, don't let doubt, don't, don't let those things press in. And then uh, let me just jump to the end real quick here. Because it talks about hearts, our hard hearts, how they, they want him to give God the glory and tell the truth. What did he do to you? They're just pressing in because they just can't wait to close it down. Jesus did something on the Sabbath. He's a sinner. How can a sinner do this? In spite of arrogance, you are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses, he says in John 9. We know that God has spoken to us through Moses. There's no way. If he's done this on the Sabbath, he's a sinner. And listen to what the man says. Why, why this is amazing. You do know where he comes. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he has opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to them. Never since the world began. Now, that's a big statement. Never since the world began has anyone had their eyes open from birth. Never has anyone been blind from birth and had their eyes open. If this man were not come from God, he could do nothing. And then they said to him, oh, okay, so you're going to start teaching us now. You're going to, you're, you're just now seeing, you've never been to school, and you're going to start telling us about God. In spite of arrogance, they reviled him, they made fun of him, they mocked him. And see, this cancel culture that I'm talking about, I just need you, listen, I'm not trying to be negative about this, I'm telling you, get ready. Get ready to be despised. Get ready. You know, I, I know a lot of people talk about, man, I think, I think we're ready for the greatest revival. I believe God's just going to, listen, I'm not mocking that. I'm not making fun. But here's, here's, what, here's what revival's all about. Revival is reviving something that's dead. One of the reasons we need to be revived is I truly believe we've stopped being the church. We've stopped telling our story. We've just sort of gotten to a huddle mindset and said, well, we'll just pray and hope something happens. Because we all know, we, we see it on the news every day, guys. If, if, you, if you talk about anything that goes against anything else in culture, the first thing they try to do is shut you down. And so we just, well, you know, we got to love. You've got to share the gospel in love. We talked about it last week. 
sharing the gospel in love doesn't mean they're going to like it. Loving people doesn't mean they're going to like it. It doesn't mean we have to say it hatefully. It doesn't mean we have to have an attitude. It simply means, guys, Jesus loves you. There's a right way, and there's a wrong way. You can't make anybody do anything, but you can pray that their eyes be open. Because listen to how this conversation closed. They kick him out of the temple. They, they cast him out. And here's what I love, and, and, I'm, and I'm closing. Because we share our story in spite of pride. Listen to how this closes. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came to the world, and those who do not see may see, and those who may see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, oh, are, are we also blind? I'm trying to make this as sarcastic as it really was. Okay, big fella. So you're saying we're blind too? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Now what is it? What is he saying? He's saying if, if you're blind, you can be totally blind. But when your eyes are opened and you realize that with, without Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And I know we're not at verse chapter 14 yet. But it, he is the way, and he is the truth, and he is the life. You see, while we're living in this comfortable setting, while we're living in this setting uh, of America that we are blessed, we're the most blessed nation on the planet, but I've, I see it throughout history. As soon as we get blessed, we think it's us. As soon as we get that raise we've been praying for, we think we got that raise. As soon as we get that job, as soon as we get that next house, as soon as we get that next car, we suddenly, you know, when, when you're in desperate moments, you cry out to God. And then God delivers you, and you think, okay, I was better off than I thought. Now I'm off doing my own thing again. Constantly in this cycle. Jesus said, you know what? You're going to find yourself when your eyes are open. You're really going to come to the point where you realize, I am God. Or you can see clearly and still miss it. You can see as plain as day and think it's you that saves yourself and think it's you that delivers now i'm not going to speak for anyone here today i'm speaking for me this convicts me every time i read it because i know how quickly my eyes get on my ability i know how quickly my eyes get on my capability i know how quickly my eyes get on what i can do the plans for the future when james tells us all along you don't even know if you got a future just like that, you could be gone tomorrow. Just in it, like a vapor, your life is gone. What does that mean? Jesus said it. We must do the works of him while there is day. What does that mean for us? I've got to tell my story. I've got to tell my story. 
I've got to let people, I don't have to go up to people, you know, I've been noticing how you live. I'm telling you right now, you're going to hell. No, that's, that's old school preaching, right? I'm here to read your mail and you're, loud, you're sorry, you're a sinner, you're going to bust hell wide open. Your hair's too long and whatever. See, here's, here's, the, thing about, here's the thing about Jesus. He meets us where we are. And that's the thing I love about this story, too. The guy was blind. He couldn't find Jesus. Jesus found him. And, and even, when, even when he got kicked out of the temple, now think about this for a minute. Even if the guy, when he got kicked out, he said, I got to find that Jesus guy. He doesn't know what he looks like. He's never seen. He doesn't even know which way he's going. He's never seen outside the temple before. So what happens? He's going through the roughest time in his ability to see life. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever known a Christian that they finally gave their life to the Lord and they've surrendered and they're following Jesus and like two weeks later, like, oh my God, if I'd have known this. It's like you, you finally, here, here's, what you're, here's what you're experiencing. You find out how many, how many people really doubt what you believe. You find out how many people really aren't on your side like you thought they were. You find out how bad religion is and you think it's church. It's not. Jesus is building his church. And see, even if you're struggling this morning, I promise you, Jesus meets you where you are. Well, Pastor, I've been following you. I know. But if you feel cast out, if you feel beat down, if you feel run over, or you feel like you've been blowing it, it, do it doesn't really matter. The Bible doesn't stipulate you know, it's got to meet this standard for Jesus to show up. The Bible says that when Jesus heard, just let that sink in for a minute. Just you fill in the blank. When Jesus heard that John was struggling, he found him. When Jesus heard that John didn't have the answer, when Jesus was wrestling or when John was wrestling with you know is this right is this right and, and the Holy Spirit saying well you know what's right yeah but I'm trying to make it on my own Holy Spirit it's amazing how he still meets you where you are and see the, the, the reality is even on this powerful day that, that we honor our moms listen it's not like we take a break from honoring God. The challenge is, are we going to share our story? The challenge is, is Jesus Lord or not? The, the challenge is, are we just making sure we're following all the rules? Or are we following Jesus? Or are we just going to do what's comfortable? Because, see, there are some that will doubt, but there are some who will believe. There will some who get stuck in religion, but there will some who will chase after relationship with God. There are some who may find themselves living in fear, but through your story will find freedom. There, there will be some who will stay arrogant, but there are some who will become bold as lions. Let me close with this story and we'll pray. Friday, I mentioned this during our prayer, We've been praying for my sister-in-law. Her name is also Diane, Diane Alvarez. She's 
been battling cancer for several years now. And Friday, she passed away. And so as she, um, and we knew she was passing, but honestly, she's been fighting a, a powerful battle the last year. Nobody really expected her to even make it through COVID. So I was talking to Danny, Diane's brother, oldest brother. And Danny was just weeping on the phone. And he said, John, let me tell you, because we've been praying for him. We've had the church praying for Diane. We've had Diane and I pray every morning for them. And he said, John, I'm telling you, God answers prayer. Everybody who's been praying, I'm telling you, it's been powerful. Well, as a pastor, I know God answers prayer. She's in a better place. Well, we, those, those are the easy go-tos, right? Because she's in a better place whether we think so or not. You know, we, she's, she's, she knew her God. She knew Christ. And we know where she is. But I dare not say those kind of things in those kind of settings. I just listen. But here's what he said. And I mean, it just resonated with me powerfully. He said, John, for the last three months, when I say God's been answering prayers, for the last three months, she's not taken any pain medication. No pain medication. It's like she hasn't needed it. It's like she's been able to come and go. And that's why sometimes we'll be praying and we'll get a phone call and they're, they're all traveling somewhere. And I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. God's healed her, you know. I guess, you know, maybe she needs to get that checked out and make sure that cancer's gone. And it wasn't. She just, she had no pain. They went to the doctor for a treatment, like literally Thursday. Came home that day. The treatments just wore her body down. She died Friday. Now, I say that because of this. That may seem like a simple story to you and I right now. But, but when you walk through valleys like he has, I'm telling you, and you just have to know my brother-in-law. He won't be afraid to tell anybody. He's not afraid to tell anybody everything else. He says crazy things all the time. I know he's not going to be afraid. And, and he's former military. He's got a lot of connections. And he's talking to people all the time. I'm telling you, a lot of people are going to hear from this man, God answers prayer. Well, how do you know God answers prayer? Because I was there. I was in the room with her for the last year and a half as she was battling cancer. I was in the room with her for the last three months, and she was on no pain medication. I know God answers prayer because I was right there. Well, theologically, break that down for me. Okay, I was there. That's probably about as deep as we're going to be able to get on that one. Because if I could explain it all to you, we wouldn't need God. But here's what I do know. You have a story. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you just allow a, a boldness to rise up in us. Father, I pray that our eyes be opened to what you've been doing in our lives, to how you've been using us, to what you've been doing over the years, over the months, or maybe even over the days. Me, maybe even over the last few minutes. Of simple things that, that we may have written off, but that you would love for people to hear that story. We were lost, but now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. Lord, it could be someone just that's streaming in this morning that 
that they feel disconnected even because of technology. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to them and let them understand they have a story. And it's not just about having a story. It's having the faith and the boldness to share a story. Now, Lord, I pray that as we are dismissed from this place in a few moments, that we realize the story doesn't end here. Lord, I pray that you birth in us a faith, even a, a, a person, put a person in our mind, Lord, that when we leave here this week, we're going to make that initial, we're going to be very intentional and make that initial contact and make that phone call. Lord, just help us to be intentional about sharing our story of our relationship with you. Just touch us. Minister to folks. Meet us where we are. Lord, there may be some here and even watching who are saying, I, I feel like I'm an outcast. I feel like I'm away. I feel like I'm broken. Lord, as we've heard in your word this morning, meet us where we are. Or some of us wouldn't know how to find you if we tried. Meet us where we are. Next Sunday, we're going to just have a, a few moments as we close out this service to celebrate our moms. Mom, we love you. We just uh, encourage you to stay strong. Join us physically. We definitely have nursery open now. Somebody say praise the Lord. It was better than that. You just couldn't hear them. But please plan, make plans to join us. God bless you. And we'll see you next Sunday. Now, why are we doing this? This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.